It's Monday, February the 24th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Italy a new hotspot for COVID-19 and Bernie Sanders in the driver's seat. First, the world in brief. In Italy, the number of people infected by the COVID-19 virus jumped from 3 on February 21st to 152, including three who died. Authorities are scrambling to respond, imposing restrictions on movement in a number of northern towns, closing schools and cancelling the last two days of the Venice Carnival. The number of cases rose quickly in Iran, too. It has reported eight deaths, the largest number outside China. South Korea also saw an increase in coronavirus infections to over 760. The government raised the country's disease alert to the highest level, allowing authorities to release extra funding to fight the virus. Many of the cases have been linked to a single church in Daegu, the country's fourth largest city. South Korea's benchmark stock market index fell by 3% in morning trading. Bernie Sanders won a commanding victory in the Nevada caucuses, the third round in America's Democratic nominating contest for the presidency. The left-wing populist easily outpaced Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren in that order, taking a large share of the black vote, which had been regarded as unlikely to side with him. South Carolina votes next on Saturday. An earthquake with a magnitude of 5.7 hit western Iran, destroying large portions of some 25 villages, according to Iranian authorities, and injuring many. No immediate death toll has been reported there. The damage extended into the Van province of neighbouring Turkey, where at least nine have been killed and 30 wounded. Iran's electoral authorities reported an overwhelming victory for conservatives in Friday's parliamentary elections. Amid souring relations with America and a deteriorating economy, the turnout was the lowest since the creation of the Islamic Republic. The regime had banned thousands of candidates from standing. Just 43% of those eligible voted and just 25% in Tehran. Berkshire Hathaway reported net earnings of $81.4 billion in 2019, up from $4 billion in 2018. In his annual letter to shareholders, Warren Buffett noted that $53.7 billion of last year's sum was due to net unrealized gains on Berkshire's shareholdings, which he argues accounting rules should ignore. Operating earnings, a better measure in his view, were little changed at $24 billion. And Tyson Fury defeated Deontay Wilder in the seventh round of the most eagerly awaited heavyweight boxing match in years. The bulked-up Mr. Fury controlled the fight throughout, flooring Mr. Wilder twice before Mr. Wilder's corner threw in the towel. Mr. Fury is now WBC world champion. A fight with Anthony Joshua, holder of other world title belts, may be next. And now, here's today's agenda. The Downward Spiral, Germany's CDU Germany's governing Christian Democratic Union has rarely known such disarray. On February 10th, the party's leader, Annegret Kramp-Karrenbauer, said she would quit after the CDU's chapter in Thuringia, a state in eastern Germany voted with the far-right Alternative for Germany, AFD, to eject a left-wing government. Amid national outcry, the Thuringian CDU last week decided to approve the leftist government, but that violated the federal party's rules, triggering furious internal rows. No wonder the CDU took a pasting at state elections yesterday in Hamburg. 
Its relationship with its Bavarian sister party is fraying, and it is divided over how to choose a procedure for replacing Ms. Kramp Karrenbauer, and quite possibly for Angela Merkel when she steps down as Chancellor next year. Having spent the last week taking soundings from some of the leadership candidates, Ms. Kramp Karrenbauer will today offer recommendations to CDU grandees on how to proceed. Few will envy her. Howdy Modi, Donald Trump in India. Donald Trump today visits India, the leader of the world's most powerful democracy visiting its most populous. In Gujarat, he will be flattered by crowds. He has predicted 10 million people bust in for the purpose before departing to visit the Taj Mahal. But then he and Narendra Modi, India's prime minister, will get to business. Their geopolitical interests increasingly overlap. Mr. Trump has cooled America's relations with Pakistan and started a trade war with China, India's neighbours and rivals. Both men are populists who play on fear of Muslims, Mr. Trump with a travel ban and Mr. Modi with a citizenship law that has sparked big protests. Trade rankles, though. Mr. Trump has portrayed India, not without justification, as protectionist. India has a large trade surplus with America and has increased tariffs and other barriers. Tempers have cooled since a jump in trade tensions in 2018, but many sticking points remain. Expect tinkering, not a grand bargain. We'll meet again, China's parliament. Senior legislators in China will decide today whether to postpone the annual session of the country's rubber-stamp parliament, the National People's Congress. The meeting had been due to start in Beijing on March 5th, involving nearly 3,000 delegates from around the country. But the lawmakers are expected to agree to delay it because of the outbreak of COVID-19. A meeting of the legislature's advisory body, which has more than 2,000 members and would normally be convened around the same time, is also likely to be postponed. The two sessions, as these gatherings are known, usually last for about 10 days and are a highlight of China's political calendar. Postponing them would signal that leaders are still worried about the spread of the COVID-19 virus, despite a fall in daily numbers of newly confirmed cases. There have been about 400 cases in the capital, including a cluster involving infections in a hospital. Brought to book Julian Assange's extradition The Julian Assange story has all the elements of a thriller. Yet if his legal case were fiction, it would be a plodding doorstopper, not a page-turner. The next chapter begins today with a court in London considering whether the WikiLeaks founder should be extradited to America to face 18 charges, including conspiring to hack the computers of its Defence Department. Mr Assange's lawyers are likely to argue that the charges are beyond the bounds of the country's extradition treaty and that he is not well enough to stand trial. While the judge ponders the law, outside the courtroom, politics are at play. Jeremy Corbyn, leader of Britain's opposition Labour Party, backs Mr Assange. Donald Trump will also be watching. America's president is peeved by Britain's recent decision to grant Huawei, a Chinese technology company, a role in building its fifth-generation mobile phone networks. Failure to extradite Mr Assange would compound the insult. Good-natured, protecting biodiversity. Today marks the start of the United Nations Convention on Biological Diversity in Rome. It is the world's biggest forum on the topic, similar in format and purpose to the UN's Framework Convention on Climate Change. 
The threat to biodiversity is severe. A report last year found that one million animal and plant species are at risk of extinction. Expanded farming and fishing, especially in highly biodiverse tropical regions, was the chief culprit. Climate change plays a role too. In 2010, governments agreed on 21 largely unmet biodiversity targets. Today, countries will start working on a new set to be finalised in October. Expect poor countries to ask for money to help them meet conservation targets, while rich ones ask them for less corruption and better governance. All sides hope to make 2020 a landmark year for biodiversity. To succeed, they must get past opening gambits soon. Time is short. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Mitch Hedberg, who was born on this day in 1968. I'm against picketing, but I don't know how to show it. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.